Thank you so much for tuning in to Encounter AZ's podcast. We are believing that God is going to use this ministry to change your life. Now enjoy the message. Hey, this morning I want to continue our series. We started as of 2018 uh, and a series is titled Pursuit. And if you've missed what we've talked about so far, we've talked about all these different foundational things in our faith like prayer. Uh, We've talked about uh, habits and different things that we can get in order because we believe if you don't have the first things in order, if your heart isn't to pursue God, then your foundation will be off and everything else kind of falls apart. But if we can get the foundational thing right, that we pursue God first, and our heart is going after God, that's the foundation of our, of our coming to church. That's the foundation of our family. That's the foundation of what I do at work and everywhere I go. The foundation is pursuing God, then everything will be right. Because if it's not foundational that you're pursuing God, can I tell you, sooner or later, your relationship, your Christianity will turn into religious practice. Just coming to church just because that's what you're supposed to do. And you wonder, uh, where did my passion go that I once had? And, and why are these things not feeling like they're fulfilling me? And I, I, I would suggest to you through this series that your foundation, go back to the first thing. Go back to your first love. And remember that when you were pursuing Christ, when you first knew him, and everything was, you were being fulfilled and everything in your life seemed like it was coming together, it all started with that foundation of pursuing Jesus and his will for your life, okay? So I want to talk to you today. Uh, the title of my message today is, I Texted You. I Texted You. Texting has taken over our culture. Um, if you ever try to get a hold of a millennial, you better text them because they just don't like to answer the phone, okay? It's, it's weird because every time you see them, your phone is in your hand, but you can't get a hold of them when you call them. Um, and a lot of times you'll text people and they won't answer, but then they'll text you right back. You ever have that happen? Um, but I believe God has sent us a text message. If you let me, that's a little cheesy, I know, but I want to explain it um, as I go on. I want to read first from 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 16 and 17. This is going to be our foundational scripture for today. It says, All scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness, that the man of God or woman of God may be complete, thoroughly equipped for every good work. And that's God's word for us this morning. But I believe that if we make pursuit the foundation of our lives in 2018, I believe in 2018 you can find your sweet spot in your relationship with God. I believe that that you can live the life that God created you to live this year. The things that happened last year are behind us, but where we're going and what we're doing in 2018, I believe we can live with God's perspective if we make pursuit our foundational thing. See, God has created you with destiny inside you. He told Jeremiah, I knew you before I formed you. He said, I ordained you and set you apart as a prophet. That means when I go after God and I'm pursuing God, I'm actually just choosing what he already chose for me. When I go after God and his will for my life, I'm choosing what God has already chosen for me. He already created me with a destiny that he wants me to fulfill. And can I tell you, I can't go another year without doing what God created me to do and finding fulfillment in that. I want to pursue everything God wants for me in 2018. Because i got to tell you, when I pursue what I want for me, it's just not fulfilling me. And I believe that in 2018, you can live the life that God created you to live. I'm going to choose what God has chosen for me, because choices are great, but can I tell you, it's, it's hard to make good choices sometimes. Why? Because there's so many options. Am I right? We get options everywhere we go. I don't know if, about you, but if you're like me and you ever tried to go on a diet um, and still go out to eat, it's impossible. I don't think there's anyone with the willpower to do this. 
I'll sit down to eat, and, and I'm on a diet, and there's so many choices on this menu. I don't even open the menu. I just, I just peek and see there's a salad section. Okay, I want that salad. That's the one. Um, you, you, you wait for the waitress. You're, I'm thinking in my mind, salad, salad, S-A-L-A-D, salad, salad. The waitress comes and says, our special today is the rack of ribs. And you say, I'll take the rack of ribs, please. Not with, with the salad. But just the half rack, because I'm on a diet. And a Diet Coke. Oh, you don't have diet? Fine. Regular Coke's fine, because I'm on a diet. I'm trying. But there's so many options, it's hard. Or maybe you're walking around your house, and you know you have to do some cleaning. You have to run some errands, but your bed is calling to you. You ever had one of those days? Just going to sit down and rest my eyes for a minute. It's just so many options. It's hard to make good choices. Maybe some of you, maybe there was a lot of options when you were dating. And maybe, if can I get an amen, that we made some bad choices when we were dating. Some of you were thirsty. I know it. You were thirsty. You were so thirsty that you went to the fridge looking for some water. There was no water, so you settled for some pickle juice in your dating life. Can we, re- we found out real quick, we, you, got it, you can get it really twisted when you date because I found out there's four types of people. There's the people that are okay for um, kicking it, hanging out, or there's people that are okay for coupling it. There's people that are good for commitment, and there's people that are good for covenant. And sometimes you got to twist it because you thought that you could hang out and kick it with somebody, and then you thought they were good enough for covenant, but they never were. They were never a covenant person, but you made a bad choice from the beginning, and then you found yourself in a mess. Because we can get messed up by all the choices that go, that there are out there. But can I tell you the one thing that you need to make good choices in life is you need to listen. You need to listen to God. God has given us his text message. He's given us the word of God for us to listen so that we can have the answer to our choices in life. I love the way C.S. Lewis, he's a theologian, he's famous, and he talks a lot, he's an author, he talks a lot about morality in his book, Mere Christianity, he talks about choices and he puts it this way. He says the choices in life um, are like this, they're like a piano, and there's no choice that's necessarily wrong, he says they just have to be played in the right order, in the right context to make beautiful music. And so I love that because so often I know that I choose the wrong things at the wrong time and it's not so beautiful. But God has made some choices. He's showing me his choices and I'm going to choose what he's chosen for me this year and I'm going to reject what he's rejected for me. That means I'm going to choose joy and I'm going to reject the pessimism and the negative thinking that wants to creep into my heart. That means I'm going to choose forgiveness and reject the bitterness that wants to come into my life. I'm going to choose peace and reject the worry that wants to make itself into every day of my life. I'm going to reject it because it's what God has chosen for me, and it means a lot. Deuteronomy chapter 30, verse 19 says this. It says, I call heaven and earth as witnesses today against you, that I have set before you life and death, blessing and cursing. Therefore, choose life that both you and your descendants may live. He tells us there's a choice, but he also goes on to tell us, guess what? Your choice is not just even about you. It has generational implications. That what I choose matters for my children and my children's children. The choices I make are more than just about me. We live in a selfish culture that everything I do is about me, and it's not hurting anybody, so it's okay. Actually, it affects more than just you. And we need to understand this when we make our choices. I get the question all the time, Brent, if, if choices are such a big deal, and we can make wrong ones. Why does God give us choices? 
And Brent, let me tell you, if, if I was God, I wouldn't have put the tree in the Garden of Eden. I, don't, I wouldn't have done that. Guess what? First of all, you're not God. Second of all, um, it's actually about choice. Because why do we need choice? It's because choice reveals priority. Choice reveals priority. What does that tell you about the choices you've been making? You see, when I, when I choose something over something else, it, sh- it shows how much I value that thing or that person because I've chosen that thing or that person. And so the thing I don't choose in the same way shows that I don't prior- prioritize that very thing. If I say I love God but I never choose to spend time with him, guess what? My choices are speaking louder than my words. And if I can't get that right, if I can't get the foundational thing right to pursue God, then all I'm doing is living by my words. God says, choose me. Choose life. I've set before you life and death. And we have to make the right choices because when you choose him, you worship him. You're saying, I value you. Do you remember recess? I think we need to make a push uh, in politics wherever I have to to restore recess to every work day of my life, right? Can I get an Amen. But you remember recess when you went out and all the, all the people would gather around the field and everybody's there to play something. You don't know what you're going to play. You see, who's got a ball today? I don't know. Oh, oh Johnny's got a football. Okay, we're going to play football today. Everyone lines up. Remember this? You got this one kid who, who's, no, who's, who's great at setting up the field. He's like, all right, if you go past that tree, you're out, okay? But you got to go past the fire hydrant to score, okay? If you go past the fire hydrant, you score, but don't go past that tree. And then they, they even convince, like, Jimmy to take off his shoes and use them as, like, pylons and, like, cones because you don't have anything else. And then everybody lines up and they start to choose teams. And you remember what the important thing was. It's great to be chosen first, but all you really care about is, I don't want to be chosen last. Right? Because it matters what you choose. You don't want to be chosen last. Choice says you want me more than what you chose over me. That's, that's why it means so much that my wife chose me. That's why it means so much your wife chose you, right? That she could have chosen anybody, but she said, I choose you. And it was my in-sync haircut at the time. It had to be. But she, she saw everything else, everyone else, and she said, I choose you. And she swiped right, and I swiped right. And we said, this is meant to be, girl. We're going to be together forever. She loves when I talk romantically with me, with her. Yeah, should I serenade her? No. No, let's move on. Can I tell you, (laughs) we make our choices, but the result is that your choices make you. I make choices, but then the result is those choices that I make, they make me. And that's why it's so crucial for me to make the right choices and pursue God as a foundational part of my family, as a foundational part of my career, as a foundational part of my life. I want to choose his desires for my life. It's so important because that's going to make me. And the quality of choices is based on the quality of your ear, what you hear from God. And if I can't hear God, if I can't listen, then I can't win. But if I learn to listen and I learn to understand what God wants for my life, I can win. But it all comes down to your ear. There are so many choices in life you're going to have to take. But some choices come down to listening to somebody who has insight that I don't have. Have you ever had to have somebody come alongside of you and help you with your choices? Have you ever had to have somebody hold you accountable? you ever had to have somebody come along and guide your decisions? That's true, but you also need God to come along and guide your decisions. 
But along with God, he also gives us people that I think we need to have come alongside us and help us guide our decisions. He wants us to listen. And many of us want to listen, but some of us ask the question, what do I listen for? And there are two types of people that I thought about as I was writing this. There's people that have no experience with church or with God at all. But there's other people who have some experience, but it's all self-taught experience. And do you know that you can only get so far being self-taught that, that if I, if basically for an example as Tiger Woods, he, was, he, he grew up playing golf. He did. He was great. He won PGA championships. But at some point in his pro career, he actually got a trainer who came alongside him and reworked his whole swing because he said, I want to be even better because I've gone as far as I can go without help. Can we get some Christians that will say that? You know what? I've come as far as I can go, but I'm stunting my growth because I refuse to have anybody come along and help me go to the next level. God desires for us to live this way. There's Samuels with no Eli. The danger of teaching yourself to do something is you might stunt your growth. It's like working out. If, you, if you've ever been to the gym or you've seen these videos on Facebook of people working out and using the machines incorrectly, you ever seen this? It's hilarious. But if you, if you teach yourself to work out, guess what? Sooner or later, you're in danger of actually hurting yourself if you do things wrong. You need someone to come along and say, hey, don't do that deadlift like that. You're going to hurt your back. you got to keep your back straight. But we have people going off into ventures and doing things without ever having someone based on what they think they heard because no one was around them to tell them to keep their back straight. Can I ask you this morning, are you lifting wrong? Do you have someone around you who's helping you to get maximum results? Because you need some people around you who will listen. Who speaks into your life? Who do you go to and say, um, can you correct me? Do you even go to the scripture and say, this is what I think I heard. What does the scripture say that points to this? What's the validity of it? What role does counsel play in your decision making? Because maybe you, you go to people and you have people to go to, but maybe you go to them after you've already decided and say, hey, this is what I'm going to do. What do you think? Can I tell you, you're not looking for counsel. You're looking for intercession. You're saying, pray for me, because I've already decided. I don't need your input. But we need people who can give us counsel. When you're self-taught, you may be lifting something the wrong way. It's like lifting without a spotter. My question for you this morning is, is, there, is are your friends able to spot you? Or if you drop that thing and begin to hurt yourself, can they, do even, they even have the strength to lift it off of you? We need some mentors, some people around us who can actually help us to understand what we hear, what we're doing. Can your friends spot you? I believe you might have some people that you think are spotting you, but they're actually watching you. And when that thing falls on you, they're not going to help you get it off. They're going to run and tell everyone else that you failed and it fell on you. We need some people around us who can spot us and help us when, and help us go farther and see things in a different light. But some of us, we, we're too prideful to go to other people and say, I need your help. What is the Bible have to say about the way God speaks to us. It, it says a lot. And Paul, he writes these verses that we read about the word of God. He writes them to a, an insecure young leader named Timothy. He was like his protege. He, he had this, this other church. He was young, and he had all these insecurities. And he's, he's basically saying to Timothy, Timothy, you need to understand how important Scripture is. You need to understand the weight of this. You need to understand that all scripture is God-breathed. Basically, when you're reading this work, you're inhaling what God exhaled. 
That there, this is the God who created everything. That as he breathed, as he spoke, he said, let there be light, and there was light. Everything he said had to come into being because he said it. Then he breathed life into Adam. And that same God with the word sent Jesus, who is the word of God made flesh. And he spoke to us through Jesus. And still today through his word, if we read it, he's speaking. And the very breath that created everything that you see has spoken into the word of God. It has creative capacity. It's the only book that when you read it, it reads you. It can make life out of death. It can do amazing things, but you got to read it. And when you open it, you got to realize this is written by the one who created everything I see, that he, he inspired this word. It's useful, um, Paul says, for teaching. That means instructing. Then he goes and says, it's useful for rebuking. That means exposing the error. He says it's useful for correcting. That means correcting what's been exposed. And he says it's useful for training. That means preparation and righteousness. Basically, you need to know that this word is useful, that you can, it can expose the right way. It can realign the wrong way, and it can get you on path to your calling. That's what he's saying to Timothy, that the word of God is powerful, that the answer is in the text. Maybe you feel like God has been silent, but maybe God's actually saying the answer's already in the text. Have you ever had someone text you, and you see it immediately, like as fast as you can, you text back, but they call you before you can even finish texting back? You ever had that happen? And they're like, hey, did you get my text? And you're like, yeah, I was answering you when you called me. Basically, I, already sent, I was already sending the answer before you even called to ask. And I believe God is saying, I've already sent a text. If you just look, before you even ask, the answer's already in the text. Some of the stuff you're asking, God's already answered in the text. Maybe you're asking, God, is this person equally yoked with me? God, is this the right person for me? And God is saying, check the yoke. Because if the yoke is off, what that means is one person's going to pull all the weight and, and it's going to lead to fatigue and that's going to lead to resentment and he's already answered you in the text. Maybe you're asking God, do, do I really have to forgive this person or can I just, can I, can I talk about them? Can I say mean things? Can I do something out of resentment? And God is saying, actually, I already sent you a text vengeance is mine. And he says, when, you, when you're kind to those who persecute you, it's like heaping hot coals on their head. I already sent you a text. He's already given you the answer before you even ask the question. There's three things I want to tell you about the scripture before we close this morning. The first one is the text helps you to vet other voices. Vet, that's a big word in our culture right now, isn't it? That means to understand and discern other voices because not every voices that are speaking to you are speaking God's will for your life. That's what I'm saying. You need to get some people around you who can spot you who are going to speak God's will into your life, not what you want, not led by your feelings, but by God's will. You need to be able to vet these voices because not only God is speaking to you. Let's read Matthew chapter 4, verse 2 through 4 real quick. It says, and when he had fasted 40 days and 40 nights, afterward he was hungry. Yeah, I bet. This is Jesus. And then when the tempter came to him, he said, if you are the son of God, command that these stones become bread. Do you know Jesus was even tempted by carbs? Come on, somebody. That'll preach. Um, but he answered and said, it is written, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. Jesus, Jesus had not eaten for 40 days. You know what that tells me? His body was speaking to him, Right? You ever had those deep tummy growls? You know what I mean? Where you're, you're like a demon's about to come out of me. The power of Christ compels you. But he was hungry. His body was speaking to him. And also, Satan was speaking to him. 
And he was able to decipher that this was not from God because beforehand he already knew what the text said. He said, the text says, man cannot live off bread alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of God. Now we see Jesus feeling hungry, but he doesn't even pray and ask God what to do. He's hungry, but he, and he says, I could just eat easily, but he doesn't do that. He goes back to the text and say, wait a second, just because it feels good doesn't mean it is good because the text says something else, and I'm not going to be led by how I feel or what these other voices say to me because I understand what the text says. He read it before he even got in this situation. He had the answer before he got the question because he understood the text message from God. He was able to vet the other voices because it, they contradicted what was written. You want to be able to understand God's will for your life, you got to understand the text. You got to get in the word and understand God's will for your life so when the questions come, you'll know if it's already God's revealed will for you or not because you read it in the text before the answers, before the answers or the questions even came. The voices didn't tell him to hurt anybody. They just said you're hungry, eat something. Do you know the enemy wants to get you to receive the right thing at the wrong time? Just like C.S. Lewis wrote, it's about those keys that if you play them in the correct order, they make beautiful music. But the enemy loves to tempt us to receive something that's right for you in the wrong season. But if you receive a blessing in the wrong season, it can actually become a burden. And that's why God has a timing for everything. And Jesus understood this when he said, it is not my time to eat. He said, man does not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. The second thing I want you to know about the word is the word assists in my interpretations. And you need to get to community groups this season. This, this week, I'm, I'm talking and I taught about actually hearing from God in different ways that you can actually decipher and discern the voice of God. And I think it's so important that every believer understands how to hear from God. And we're going we're gonna to talk about what I'm about to talk about more in depth on Wednesday night at a community group. So get in one next to you. But the word assists in my interpretations. When Jen was pregnant, and maybe some of you guys um, can kind of have compassion on me in this moment, but she was very pregnant, if you know what I mean, with, with Katie, with our firstborn. And, and one night I woke up to just being smacked in the arm. And all I heard was, rub my leg. And I was like, what in the world is happening in my life right now? And I didn't get any interpretation. I got a word, but there was no interpretation. So what did I do? I didn't know what to do. I just started rubbing like, not like that, down lower. What are you doing? What's wrong with you? I didn't get any interpretation of what was going on. I thought my wife had gone crazy. I was praying over her in tongues. At the whole time, I'm, I'm doing this, but... But finally, five minutes later, the pain subsided, and she explained, I had a, the worst cramp I've ever had in my leg. Have any of you other ladies who been pregnant had that same issue in the middle of the night? I'm going to pray for your husbands that you smacked, and they're going to deal with you. But whenever you feel a prompting or a thought from God, there's some steps that follow. And step one is a revelation. You word from God, and everyone's good at step one, but where a lot of us fail is step two and step three. Step two is interpretation, and step three is application. Because sometimes I get a word, and I don't know what it means. And if, if I can't understand what it means, then I'm going to have problems. I see it wrong. If you hear from God, but you don't know what it means, you're going to have issues. Uh, um, speaking of texting, one thing that that this new, these new phones and new technology can do is my wife has a watch that talk to, does talk to text. 
and, and she, she can easily just speak into her watch, and it will text for her. It's a great invention. But can I tell you something? If it hears wrong, you have problems. Because my wife was texting uh, Courtney, I think, a week ago or so, and she said uh, Courtney was doing some stuff for her wedding, which is coming up, so pray for Courtney and Bruce in Jesus' name. Um, and uh, she was still in her pajamas at 5.30. I hope you're not embarrassed that I'm telling you that, but... Jen said, it's 5.30 p.m., get some clothes on, because she was supposed to meet us somewhere, just joking around with her. But can I tell you, that is not what was written in that voice to text. It said, it is blanking 5.30 p.m., get some clothes on, and that is not what my wife said at all. All of a sudden, Courtney's like, I just got cussed out by my pastor. What in the world is going on? Because if you hear wrong, you're going to have problems. And can I tell you, sometimes you get a word, but the, the interpretation and the application might not be right. So you got to go to the text sometimes. Sometimes you got to go to somebody who's more mature than you because you're not hearing right. I've heard it all. Brent, I got a word. What's the word? What did God say? He said transition. I'm like, wow, that's so cool. What does that mean? That means I'm supposed to leave my husband. Amen. I'm like, what? No. That's not. No. That's not what that means. Brent, I got a word. What's the word? Uh, I, the Bible, God said, stop working. I'm quitting my job tomorrow. I'm like, no, I don't think, you're, I don't think maybe that's not what that means. Maybe. But, you know, just because it feels good doesn't mean it is good. I got to get the right interpretation. Let me give you some Bible. Remember when David was, was being chased by King Saul? He'd been anointed. He was the next king of Israel. Saul was the king currently. He was so jealous. He knew that his throne was going to be taken away and given to David, so he went out to kill David. David ran off with some men who were on David's side, and they're hiding out in a cave from King Saul. Do you remember this story? Saul has to, uh, nature calls, if you know what I'm saying. He has to go into this cave to take care of business, and he goes in there, and these men are hiding in the cave with David, and they look at David, and they say, David, kill him. This is God. God brought him here so you can kill him. Can I tell you, in that moment, it would feel so right to kill him? But do you know what David said? He said, it is written to not touch God's anointed. And he knew the text. Because he knew that if God is going to give him a position, God will bring him into that position. He didn't have to do anything to force it. He let Saul go. Saul had favor on him in that moment, and God used it. But he almost could have stepped out of line if he did what felt right in that moment. When other voices around him weren't speaking the word of God, and they said, just do it. This is right. This has to be right. It feels right. If you have revelation with the wrong interpretation, you're going to have the wrong application. But the word is here for us so we can look through it and we can see what the word is saying in relation to the word I got. When we got a revelation that God desired for us to come back to Arizona and launch this church, we went to our pastor and he prayed with us. We went to the word of God to figure out exactly what the application was going to look like of this thing. We didn't just rush into it. It was in God's timing. My question to you is you got step one. You're getting a word, but who are you trusting with step two? And, and my second question is based on your track record, why do you trust you so much? Because if we look at, at my life, I understand, you know what, I need to get into the text. I need some mature believers around me who can spot me when I get a word from God and say, you know what, that's from God. And I, and I believe that this is the way God is saying that to you and what he wants for your life. I need to get my step two and my step three right. The last thing, can I get the worship team to come up? The last thing that you need the text for is because the text is a, it's a filter for your feelings. 
The text is a filter for your feelings. Just because I feel strongly about godly things does not mean it's God. An example is the Pharisees. Paul writes that they were zealous for God, but their zeal was not based on knowledge. They were crazy for godly things. They wanted to see everyone live by the law. They wanted to do all these things, but it was not based on knowledge, and they had some things mixed up because just because your emotions tell you one thing, it doesn't mean that your feelings are right. Hebrews chapter 4, verse 12 says this, For the word of God is living and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing even to the division of soul and spirit and of joints and marrow. It is a discerner of the thoughts and intents of the heart. You know what that means? That means you don't judge your feelings or your thoughts. The word of God judges your feelings and your thoughts and the intents of your heart. We need to get in the word and understand the word cuts between what I want and what God wants. And sometimes I need to get in the word to say, you know what, that's what I want and it feels right, but is that what God actually wants for my life? Your feelings are real, but sometimes they aren't right. If I hear one more time from a young person, Brent, the heart wants what the heart wants, I'm going to throw up. Because I tell you, the heart is desperately wicked and deceitful above all things, and your heart might tell you something, but if my heart tells me to leave my wife and cheat on her, guess what? That's not God, because my heart is a liar, and I'm going to do what the Word of God says and believe that that's where I'm going to find fulfillment in 2018. We say sometimes, I'm ready, God. I'm ready to fulfill that word I got. But you know what happens? We read the word sometimes, and the word tells us you're not ready yet. But if I'm led by my feelings and I'm excited about this word, I can jump into something in the wrong season and what God had for my life because I didn't discern it with the word and with other mature voices that could spot me. Now I fall into something that becomes a burden because I I didn't do it in God's timing. Can I tell you, before we move, order needs to come into our life. Order needs to come in 2018. I'm not going to be led by my emotions anymore. I'm not going to live on the roller coaster anymore. I'm going to be led by what God says. I'm going to start praying. I'm going to start reading the word, and I'm going to start allowing the Holy Spirit to direct my life. It's time to stop making emotional moves. Forget your money moves. I'm making godly moves in 2018. I am believing God has great things for me, and I believe I'm going to move when he says move. And I'm going to stop when he says stop. And I believe that I have a profession that God has given me for all of you in 2018. My word that I'm speaking over all of you for 2018 is that in 2018, you are going to make the greatest decisions of your life. In 2018, you're not going to be moved by emotion. This is going to be the season where I'm going to make the greatest decisions for my family The greatest decisions for my faith, the greatest decisions for my career, everything in my life I'm going to make based on what the text says, based on what God's word for me is. No more dice decisions. You're going to make great decisions, and and it's not going to be based on your head being full of knowledge. It's going to be based on your ear listening for God. Father, we want to hear from you this year, God. We want to be like Mary when she sat at your feet, God. When those around her, her sister, was working and striving and doing all these things that were good things, but she didn't get the foundation right of just sitting at your feet and listening, Jesus. We're going to stop striving in 2018, and we're just going to sit 
at your feet. I heard a pastor say this week, snuggle, not struggle. And can I tell you, we get so caught up working and striving and and doing everything I can for Jesus, and I'm trying and I'm trying, and sometimes I just need to be like Mary and go and sit at Jesus' feet and just listen to him. God, I want to soak up every word that you have for my family this year. I want to sit at your feet and just fall in love with you. And I believe as I listen to you, God, every decision that I make is going to flow from that first foundational pursuit of you, Jesus. Father, in the name of Jesus Christ, we just declare that in 2018, all of our choices are going to be based on what your word says. We're not going to be led by what I want and be tossed back and forth from wave to wave. God, we're going to stay grounded in the word of God in 2018. We're going to stay seated at your feet like Mary, believing that you have something for us. We want to tune into you. We want to tune into your voice this year. In Jesus' name, amen. Will you stand up to your feet with me? You know what marriage has taught me? It's taught me that listening requires a choice of where I'm putting my attention. Because there's many times my wife will say something to me, and I'm sidetracked, I'm, I'm watching something, I'm listening to something else, and she asks me later, don't you remember when I told you? And I'll say, of course, yeah, but I have no idea when she told me that. Because listening requires a choice of putting my attention where I want it. And I believe this year, if we make a choice to put our attention in God's word and what he says to us, I believe that our year is going to be different. Can we start it out this morning and just say, you know what, Jesus, I'm going to sit at your feet. I'm not going to strive. I'm just going to listen. I want to adore you this morning. I heard a story this week about a pastor, and he went and met with this other pastor. They were going to a conference, and on the way driving, this pastor that he got in the car with said, hey, you want to pray? And he said, yeah, let's pray. And this pastor said, you go first. So this guy, he just started praying for everything. He said, I prayed against the devil. I prayed against God. I prayed against everything. He was just striving. He was just going for it. God, we just declare, which is great. But, you know, then he said that he was done, and the other pastor started to speak, and he said, Very calmly, he just said, Jesus, we adore you. Jesus, there's no other name above your name. We worship your name. And he said the presence of God just fell in that car in that moment. And you know what he realized? One moment of adoration can do more than an entire 2018 of striving. Can we just adore Jesus this morning before we leave? If you're comfortable in this place, will you lift up your hands with me and we'll just say, Jesus. Like Mary, we want to sit at your feet. We want to adore you, Lord. We come here to worship your name. There's no other name given among men whereby we might be saved. And we come to you this morning, Jesus. And we're believing that every need that we have is found and met at your feet, Jesus. We adore you. Will you tell him you adore him this morning? God, we lift up your name above every other name, Jesus, and we ask this morning that every person in this room could leave here knowing they met with Jesus. I pray for an encounter with you as we lift up adoration. Let's worship for a couple minutes. We're going to get ready to baptize a couple people. If you want to get baptized, can you head to the foyer and meet Pastor Casey out there?